0: Welcome, 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 geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to a brand new episode of Geek to Me Radio tonight. We've got two great actors on deck. Mike Manning joins us talking about his new movie, The Way Out. Later on tonight, we'll be joined by Julian Bailey talking about working opposite Alfred Molina in the Amazon series Three Pines. All that and more, stand by. And if you're driving around the greater St. Louis area tonight listening to us on the Big 550 KTRS, hello to all of you. Thank you for spending part of your Sunday evening with us. If you're hearing us on uh, the stream right now, we got Joey V's in the studio with me, so we got video up. So if you're watching us on YouTube, Facebook, or uh YouTube or Facebook, I think. <laughs> Hello to you. I get confused. It's uh, it's late. I've been up since 4 in the morning. Uh, and, of course, if you're hearing us after the fact in the podcast form, on whatever platform you get your podcast, we appreciate you finding us there and subscribing us and listening. Uh, it's going to be a great show, two great actors. First up, we've got Emmy winner Mike Manning. He's going to be talking about a brand-new film, The Way Out. We'll talk about some other stuff in his career, too. Mike, thanks very much for the time today. Yeah, James, thanks for having me. Of course, um, talking about the movie. So I noticed one of the things when I was going over your IMDb resume, you've got such an eclectic, I mean, you've got, uh, you've got TV, you've got movies, you've got, uh, you've got drama, you've got period pieces like D-Day Battle of Omaha. You've got horror, like case 13 drama. Obviously It, it, I, if I had to say, I would say you don't have a wheelhouse. Is there a genre of acting you prefer? Um, well, I mean, I, I think playing
1: in the sandbox with uh, di- different people and different projects is what makes acting fun and what keeps it interesting. And so, you know, I would never want to be pigeonholed into just one category or just one character. Um, and and I think at the beginning, I mean, I've been in L.A. now for over a decade. And in earlier on in my career, I would just take whatever I could get because I wanted to meet people. I wanted to be on set. I wanted to work. You know, I was pursuing the life of an actor and, and trying to make connections and sort of earn my place at the table. And then more recently, the last, I would say, four or five years, um, I've been much more deliberate in the types of roles and trying to take roles that are challenging and scary and um, and are different than what I've played before.
0: Uh, we mentioned as we introd you, you're an Emmy winner. Uh, when when you've got a, a an Emmy or you know a, some a huge award under your belt, does that change your outlook in the uh, like how you approach the industry in general? Do you feel like you've got almost something more to prove? Like now you've got a, a big award, you kind of want to raise the bar. How does how does that affect you personally and your craft? Well, so much
1: of acting and I think a creative lifestyle in general is. You know, you just, you work really hard and you hope that you're doing the right thing. You hope that the world is sort of buying what you're selling. And uh, winning an Emmy was nice because it sort of reaffirmed that I was doing the right thing. It's the, it's the industry's way of saying, Hey, we like what you're doing. Uh, you're you've, you've done well, you've earned something and you should be proud of it. And, uh, and so I don't think it's changed necessarily the way that I approach the industry, but I think that it has a little bit changed the way that the industry has approached me. And I am getting bigger meetings. I am getting offered bigger jobs. I am, you know, people are taking me more seriously when I walk into a room and say, this is what I want to do. This is what I, you know, the the types of roles I want to play. And, and that's nice because that that wasn't always necessarily the case.
0: And you're on Days of Our Lives. Uh, we've You're, I think, maybe my fifth person from Days of Our Lives on. I grew up, my grandma moved in with us early on when my grandfather died. She had to see her story. So I kind of grew up watching Days of Our Lives. And it's been so fascinating to see how the, the genre of soap operas has changed as well. Uh, coming into this... Uh, this particular sandbox is the way you put it, Uh, for Days of Our Lives with all these established characters. I know a lot of actors, uh, both who started out in soap operas and who have gone into soaps and come back out, have said it's some of the hardest work you'll ever do. How did you find working on Days of Our Lives?
1: Yeah, exactly what you just said. I think uh, working on a soap opera really gave me respect for those actors. Um, And, you know, you have to Moore, You have uh, so many... um, Actors that I think that started on Soaps, that that was their training ground. Yeah. And um, and I absolutely can relate to that. I Days of Our Lives was the first thing that I did after the pandemic. Um, and I, I guess not after the pandemic. We're still sort of in it. Uh, but it was right when everything, the entertainment industry had closed down. And I found out that I booked a job March of 2020. And I signed my contract and everything else. March 13th of 2020 was when everything shut down. And so I basically spent the first uh, six, seven months of the pandemic, not knowing if I had a job, not knowing what was going to happen with the industry in general. And then they called me in August and they're basically like, Hey, Mike, we're going to start shooting again, September 1st. And we want you, uh, you essentially, we're going to honor the contract and you're this character and you start September 1st, our first day back. So it was crazy. It was was a very interesting experience because I go to set and I'm working with these people that have worked together for years. Some of these actors have been on the show for decades and they're all such a tight-knit community, but everybody is sort of discovering and figuring out this weird pandemic, wearing masks, not being able to having to social distance, not being able to talk to each other in person. We had to rehearse over FaceTime or mm. Google chats or whatever on our phones. And it was bizarre. It was, it was like I was living in an episode of twilight zone. <laughs> and then I go back there. It really was. And, and I go back there and the first day they took it easy on me. I only had five pages. My second day I had seven pages. My third week on the show, there'd be some days where I, ha- I would have 40 pages. a wow. day. Wow. And, it was insane to me. And I remember the first time they ever gave me 40 pages because they shoot an episode a day. They shoot 75 pages a day, an episode every single day. Um, and sometimes you'll shoot little bits of two different or three different episodes as your character. And so you'll, you will you know, you have, you just have to learn the scenes and do your best. And I remember driving to work on the first time that I had 40 pages in one day. And I was like, I'm going to get fired today. They, <laughs> I, I, there's, I was like, there's no way that my brain is going to hold all these words. I I'm going to get fired. So it's been a good run. It's been fun. And <laughs> some ways, some way, somehow I, I, I remembered everything and I had some really nice moments. And it was actually the first day that I worked with Tamra Braun, who played oh, yeah. my mother on the show. And, uh, and she's fantastic. And, and she a long story short, my, my storyline in the show is that I'm her other son. I'm kind of the bad son that nobody ever knew about. I show up in town. I cause a bunch of drama And the first day that we worked together, I'm essentially yelling at her and, and confronting her about never loving me. And it's really emotional and we cry and we yell and we whatever. And so not only did I have so much dialogue, but I really had to hit some of these beats because it really defined our, the rest of our story arc and the rest of our relationship on the show. And she was so lovely. The first day I worked with her, she, she could tell that I was like reading my script and, and just trying to, trying to stay on top of everything. And she just, comes over and she says, I can't wait to work with you. I've been really looking forward to meeting Aww. you after I read our scripts. And she goes and she gives me a hug and she knew exactly what she was doing. And she sort of held me in this hug for a couple seconds longer than you would with somebody that you're just meeting. And I felt like in that moment, she was my mother in this scene mm. comf- comfor- comforting me. And then and, and the story, in the storyline, uh, she's very cold. And my character wants that love, and wants that warmth, and wants that connection. And so she's hugging me. She's hugging me, and then they 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 are like, "Okay, action!" And she turns away, and she—and then she, she just turns it on, and she's cold. Wow! Immediately cold. And I'm still living in that, wanting to hug her oh, and wanting that closeness. That's brilliant. And it—it it, was—it was great, and it—it it really colored the entire scene. And it was—it's still one of my favorite scenes. I was in the show. I think for 60, a total of 65 episodes uh, over the last two years. And those scenes are still among my favorites that that I worked on.
0: And again, if you're just now tuning in, we're talking with Mike Manning. Uh, New movie out called The Way Out. I think it is available, if I'm not mistaken, starting February 10th on digital on demand you play shane collins in this um again it's a very it's a very good part i mean this this movie has a lot of layers to it um it's 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 something that i think a lot of people are going to enjoy talk a little bit about uh, when you're doing a film like this uh you mentioned kind of like how eva helped you eva the character sorry tamara helped you uh in that scene when you're working on something like this uh how did how did you kind of find the character of shane did you kind of do some read throughs with the other people who are a great cast by the way, too. But how, how did you end up kind of getting into the role of Shane Collins?
1: Yeah. So I found out about the project through a friend of mine, Nick Thur, and he and I had, had worked on a film together called flat It's a horror film that we, we shot in upstate New York at the end of 2019 and he and I had produced that together. We worked really closely. He's one of my good friends. He found out about this script and talked to the director and, you know, in the beginning, I sort of gave my thoughts on the script and I was like, hey, guys, maybe try this, maybe try this. And I was just sort of involved as a friend. And then a couple months later, they came back to me and they had made the changes in the script. And uh, the director calls me and he's like, hey, Mike, I've been thinking a lot about it and I want you to play Shane. And I immediately, it, 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 the idea scared me because, you know, as you know, the, the film, it's a very intense film. It's yeah. a very intense character. And it's it's more uh, it's, it's more, it's a more intense character than I've ever played before. And so it scared me. And I said, Hey, I'm going to need 24 hours to think about it. He said, no problem. Call me tomorrow. So I thought about it and, uh, I called him and I said, yeah, let's do it. And immediately I started, um, cause I had been boxing when I was younger, but it had been a while and, mm-hmm. and the physicality and the boxing and the fighting aspect is such an important part of this character. So immediately I started uh, boxing lessons. I changed my diet. I started working out with heavier weights. I gained overall. But b- uh, before filming, I gained 13 pounds for the role. Wow. Um, in the in the three months leading up to filming, and then I you know I was doing boxing classes, and and then uh, above and beyond that, I just had to get in, into the psychology of the pain and the anger and the rage that the character uh, sort of defines his character throughout the film, and it's. The story is based on, uh, loosely based on, some of the things that happen in the life of Barry J, right. our director. And he, as a kid, you know, some bad things happened to him, and so he and I had really candid conversations, and he was really open and honest and there for me when we were trying to create the backstory and create some of these things. and And Barry, in, in his self, is a success story. I think that he's an example of somebody that you know, bad things sort of happened as a kid, but. He didn't let that trauma define him, and and he's Barry from Barry's Bootcamp. Like he's the guy that created, helped co-found the this really successful gym franchise. He's writing, direct, directing. He's like he's such a um, you know becoming a really great writer director. And so that in and of itself, having him as a success story, and and to to use what happened to fuel this film and to essentially play the more extreme vengeful version of what he wish he wishes his psyche would have been uh, back then was really, really interesting for me and, 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 fun. And and it's also, I don't get to play uh, these characters all the time. Sometimes a lot of times I'm the nice guy or I'm the friend or I'm the boy next door or I'm the, the frat guy or, you know, some of these <laughs> archetypes that they try to put me in into and, and I'm not really given the crazy psycho very often. So um, it, it was fun. It was a lot of fun.
0: And again, if you're just now tuning in, we're talking with actor Mike Manning all about The Way Out on digital February 10th. So you can check that out. Are you okay to stick with me through a very quick commercial break? Yeah, let's do it. Perfect. Uh, We're going to take this quick break. We're going to come right back, and we'll chat more with Mike Manning. If you've got a question for Mike or my upcoming guest, Julian, you can send us a text on the KTRS text lines at 84126. Well, I'll try to pay attention to those. I know I haven't been great about it, but we'll try to get your question in if you want to send a text for a question to Mike. You're listening to geek to me Radio on the Big 550 KTRS. Please stand by. Breathe in, breathe
2: breathe What's up, guys? This is Eric Martzoff. You might know me from Days of Our Lives. You might know me from Smallville, Rideshare the Series, or maybe I ran into in a grocery
1: store. I don't know. But you are listening to geek to me Radio.
0: We are back. And you're listening to Geek to Me Radio. I'm your host, James Enstall. I want to make sure we tell you about our premier sponsor, the City of St. Charles, the Greater St. Charles Convention and Visitors Bureau. Longtime listeners will know the website, discoverst.charles.com. That's discoverst.charles.com. If you are looking for someplace new to go, it's 2023. People got New Year's resolutions. You want to go travel someplace you haven't been before. City of St. Charles has a lot to offer. Lots of small businesses all in this area that make up a lot of great dining experiences, shopping experiences. They're There's casinos, there's bed and breakfasts, there's camping spots. It checks a lot of boxes, no matter what you might be looking to do. So if you haven't visited... Come check it out. They just had their big ice sculpting event this past weekend. It was brilliant. The week before, they had a big 90s party at the Foundry. There's always something going on in St. Charles. So if you're local, if you're in the area of St. Louis and St. Charles right around here and you haven't been over there for a while, check out the website, discoverstcharles.com. See if there's something that might be going on this coming weekend that you want to check out. Always something happening. lot of stuff to do, whether you're a history buff, a foodie, just want to go out and have some shopping. You want to have a girls' night or boys' night out on the town. Lots of little places along there you can uh, check out as well. Start with the website. Once again, discoverst.charles.com. As we always say, it's an historically good time. Talking with Mike Manning here for a little while longer. I know with Teen Wolf, Mike, uh, you got to go to Comic-Con in San Diego, which you're one up on me. San Diego and New York are the two big ones. I haven't gotten up the courage to go because I'm a little bit of an agoraphobe, so the crowds are a little intimidating. But uh, you're kind of into nerd culture. How how did you find Comic-Con? How'd that go for you?
1: I absolutely love Comic-Con. I love nerd culture. I love... Uh, I, I, dressed up one of the days I dressed up as Spider-Man nice. um, and I just sort of, I wore, I wore the hood, the, the, I wore the entire suit. So it was the spandex suit and then the mask. And, uh, and I just walked around and observed people and kind of, you know, people watching everybody, uh, you know, I, like getting into the, into the cosplay and getting into going to the forums and listening to, uh, people speak. I, I was, so I was, uh, there, I think the three, I went three years in a row, and each time Teen Wolf was a pretty big deal. I yeah. was only in the final season of Teen Wolf, um, but I because of that I, I got into all the parties, and so uh, there was one I, I went to the Entertainment Weekly party, and it was one of the best days of my life. I went there, I <laughs> met Gal Gadot, and oh, I met my God. Um, oh, oh my yeah, it was it was it was insane, and then I I, I had a run in with um, oh my gosh, uh, what's his name? Um, I'm I'm trying to think of uh, what's. He was in uh, dress. Oh, Jeff Goldblum. So oh, cool. I'm there, and I, 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 I bump into Gal Gadot and she was just so sweet and so nice, and uh, literally bumped into her, and I was like, "I'm so sorry," and she's like, "No problem." And I'm just star, starstruck. And then I go over and I talk to Jeff Goldblum for a little bit, and he takes, he looks over, and he takes my hand, and he gazes into my soul, and he said, "Wow, you have really nice eyes," and I'm like, "Well, thank you, Jeff Goldblum," and uh, and it was just one of the best days of my life. And uh, Hugh Jackman was there, because I think um, some one of the X-Men movies had just come out, or maybe it was Logan. Um, but uh, it was, yeah, I just love the whole nerd culture. I think it's very similar, because I know we were talking about The Way Out. I think horror movies and science fiction I've always been fascinated with, because I think that entire, I think there's there's overlap with the two in terms of the stories that take place in science fiction, in geek culture, and yeah. also in horror Culture, and I think that in science fiction and horror, they're able to. The genre allows filmmakers to explore, you know, the darkest sides of humanity and themes like The Way Out does, like like abuse and all these other things. And and traditionally, comic books. I mean, I, I've been reading comics since I was a kid, and even comic books, they would get political, or they would talk about, you know, relationships, or they would they would do things that. I I think mainstream society wasn't really ready for yet, but it was okay because they were mutants or they were aliens or they were whatever else. And and I think science fiction and horror open people to new ways of thinking and new ideas without necessarily making them uncomfortable because they can still keep everything at an arm's length because it's, quote-unquote fantasy world. So, I just, I, I love that stuff. I love I loved Comic-Con. I want to go back again. I sort of made a promise to myself that I'm not going to go back until I have a project to talk about. Okay. But um, earlier this year, during during the pandemic, a friend of mine actually created a comic. Uh, he, he and I, um, I was a, one of the consulting writers on it, and he, he created it, and we were pitching it as a TV series, uh, an animated series, and we pitched it to Amazon and Netflix, and unfortunately, it didn't end up going, but... Mm. Um, it's, it sort of gave me a taste of, of developing stories in that way. And I really, really want to do that someday. I want to create my own comic. I want to bring it to comic-con. I want to make an animated show and, you know, and then be able to sort of be the man behind the camera and, and writing and creating characters and sort of figuring out what kind of stories we're going to tell.
0: Well, I don't want to brag, Mike, but I do know a lot of comic book writers, so I can hook you up with Daredevil Scribe D.D. Chichester or uh, Doom Patrol Scribe Paul Kupperberg. If you're looking to get a little mentorship on the comic book writing, I can I can hook you up. I don't want to brag, but
1: <laughs> I would love that. I would I was I would absolutely love that. We were working with Jim Shooter. Oh my gosh! Uh, who obviously, you know, you know, he's a legend. Uh, yes. We were working with Jim when we were developing the comic, and he really helped us with the characters and some of the arts and everything. And and that was it was incredible. I mean, that was, it was a once-in-a-lifetime kind of thing.
0: Yeah, we have had Jim on the show a couple of times. He He's wonderful. Such a wealth of knowledge. I mean, the guy's just absolutely a genius.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And you a mentioned sci-fi intense, and but, horror uh, and
0: kind changed. of doing the political elements. Mm-hmm. Twi- the original Rod Serling Twilight Zone, to me, is probably one of the best te- top five TV series of all times. And he did that so well of towing that boundary about what is politics, but he presented it in a very... Uh, you know, subliminal almost fashion with some of those like the monsters are doing on Maple Street and some of the other ones that are—it it just holds up so well.
1: Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, even nowadays with comics, like what we're, they're doing. My favorite comic right now is is Superman, Son of Kalel and what mm-hmm. they're doing with Jonathan Kent and and making him sort of uh, buy and he cares about the environment and he cares about social issues and everything else. It's like it's it's really really cool to see such a figure like somebody that wearing the Superman, you know, the, the crest and, and being a part of the Superman world, uh, to now care about what younger people today are caring about. And to see that reflected, uh, uh, back onto ourselves through story and characters is, is in my opinion, what storytelling is all about.
0: I agree absolutely. Uh, Tom Taylor is doing uh, Superman Son of kal I think he's I, I hope I don't think he's finished his Nightwing run. He might be going to the Teen Titans, but um, yeah, Tom Taylor is uh, what, one of the one of the top writers in the industry right now. So you, you've got great taste in comics as well.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, no, absolutely. I definitely follow him and and I see what he's doing uh, across the board with uh, Son of Cal and Nightwing, and it's and it's great. And, and he's he's uh, yeah. I, I mean, you already said it. He's just one of the best in the industry right now.
0: And last question before I let you go, I know we're coming up on your t- end of your time here. Um, if if we talk about these franchises now, if you had to pick a franchise that you could you could cast yourself in, would you want Star Wars? Would you want a DC project, a Marvel project, or is there some one of the big franchises that you would like to crack into and then have a character role? Oof!
1: Oh, that is tough. I mean, because Star Wars with with, with the Mandalorian and with, oh my gosh. With the t- what they're doing in the TV space right now. I mean, that's just fantastic. I was just watching the last of us right now. Uh, Pedro Pascal is yes. one of my favorite actors and, and, you know, and, and so what they did with that series was fantastic. I think Marvel has with infinity war and what uh, like some of the best storytelling with comic characters that we've ever had, uh, they've changed the game, but I feel like it's starting to become a little saturated uh in the marvel space yeah. and then dc <laughs> i mean i think with james gunn i think i i'm hoping that the next wave of dc stories is stories you know are stories that um that i think are better received from uh audiences uh than they have been i was really sad to hear that the the third wonder woman was scrapped and um you know some of the other projects i was looking forward to but Um, I I think I I just have to say the the D.C. space just because I've always had a special spot for Superman since I was younger. So if I could be a part of a D.C., any D.C., uh, Justice League, anything, I think I would die a happy man.
0: (laughs) Uh, Mike Manning, again, the movie is The Way Out on digital as of February 10th. Make sure you check that out. Where can people keep up with you on social media and websites if they want to follow you and find out more about you?
1: Yeah, yeah. So on social, I'm just Mike Manning. I think on Instagram, it's like Mike underscore Manning. Um, and then on uh, my website is MikeManning.info. So if people are curious, they can check me out there. And um, and thank you for, uh, for listening.
0: Perfect, man. If you're listening in the podcast after the fact, scroll down to the bottom of the page in the show notes. We'll have a link to Mike's website right there. Mike Manning, it's been an absolute delight. Thanks for being on the show. Hopefully we can do it again sometime soon.
1: Yeah, I would love to. Thank you, James. This was a lot of fun.
0: Perfect. Thank you. Take care. Be well. All right. You too. Bye. There he goes. Make sure you check out The Way Out. Again, February 10th on demand and on digital. We're going to take another quick commercial break. We are going to come right back. We'll talk with Julian Bailey all about Three Pines. You're listening to Geek to Me Radio. Please stand by.
1: Hi, this is Dean Devlin, director of Bad Samaritan, and you are listening to geek to me Radio.
0: Welcome back to geek to me Radio. I'm your host, James Enstall. I want to make sure we tell you about our official comic book sponsor, Bugs Comics and Games. I was set up at the Toy Man Toy Show today. And I saw Larry and his lovely bride set up at the Toy Man Toy Show as well, selling the comic books and everything like that. It was good to see him, as always. If you haven't been out to Bugs Comics and Games yet, in O'Fallon, Missouri, right there at the uh, Bryan Road in O'Fallon, you can get there from Highway 70 or you can get there from the page extension. I'm gesturing with my arms like people on 270 can look in the building and see me. Uh, If you head out there, you can get all your comic book fix taken care of from Larry at Bugs Comics. Lots of cool stuff. He's got new comics galore, back issues. He's got magazines. He's got toys, games. He has got. Uh, he just sold a Jupiter 2 model kit today that he's at the store for a while. Someone finally got it from him. If they hadn't, I probably would have swooped in and gotten it. But all sorts of cool stuff at Larry's. If you check out the website, BugsComicsAndGames.com. And, of course, give their Facebook page a like. Bugs Comics and Games on Facebook. Larry will greatly appreciate that. Check him out. Join the Avengers Club. Save money on your hobby. You can talk to Larry and get details about that on the website as well if you'd like. BugsComicsAndGames.com. Very proud to have them as our official comic book sponsor here on geek to me Radio. That said, we've got Julian Bailey next. Right now we're talking with actor Julian Bailey. Brand new series. You might have seen it on, net, on uh, Amazon Prime. Three Pines with Alfred Molina. Julian, how are you?
2: I am doing okay, thank you, James. Thanks for having me, man.
0: So, so, what? How cold is it in Canada right now? Just out of curiosity.
2: Well, today it's actually not that. Cold. Uh, today is not that bad. K- uh, geez, I don't know. What would it be around fifty degrees or something? I might be off. Um, they do Celsius up here, so okay, uh, Celsius. I don't know. Would it be about three or four degrees Celsius, and pro- which I think is around. Fifty degrees Fahrenheit. I don't know.
0: Yeah, so that, oh, that's but not it's too it's bad. Not then. that
2: bad today.
0: It's actually. I not think it's really a little today. a little warmer in Canada than it is in St. Louis. Now I'm jealous.
2: <laughs> well, I could be totally wrong on my little estimation. <laughs> There's a don't quote me on it, man. Believe me, we have snow everywhere, and sometimes like it gets we get like rain, and then it decides to get really, really cold. So then we just have like a like an a skating rink. Um, and it's, it's real dangerous. You got to put these like rubber spikes on your shoes. But of course, Canada is a reasonably large country in terms of, uh, topography at least. Uh, and I'm in Montreal close to where we shot three pines. So we have some very, uh, unstable weather here. And, uh, it, you just never know what you're going to get. I mean, you, you, the one thing, you know, for sure is it's going to be unpredictable. That's what you can predict. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> and being shot in Montreal, I know a lot of stuff's being shot, obviously in Vancouver. Uh, t- it seems like New York and LA were the, pl- were the places where you shot TV films and movies and everything. Now it's all Atlanta and British Columbia, but this was uh, three pines, Amazon series all shot in Montreal.
2: That's right, Montreal, and surrounding areas, and no, it's true, man. I mean, the majority of my career was spent in Los Angeles, but I'm from here though, so I moved away from here literally like like when I was still a teenager, so like nearly thirty years ago, and most of my career was in the states, and then I came back for personal reasons. My dad was having some health issues, and I just wanted to be close to my family my My parents still lived here. And, uh, yeah. And then, uh, but as it turned out, the work was pretty good here. So I was like, okay, well, this is good. You know, I don't have to like return to the U S cause the work was, was solid. And, um, and then in 2019, I was in LA for nearly half the year and I got, uh, I ended up kind of getting a new agent in Canada cause I was sort of like not sure what was going on down there and I ended up getting a new agent in Canada And within a week I had an offer on something that I didn't even have to audition for. So I was like, well, that doesn't happen that often. So I hopped on a plane, came back up here, did that show, and then did another little show. And then, um, and then the pandemic hit in 2020. So I haven't been back to the state since I've just been chilling up here. And it's been good because in 2021, you know, I got this breakdown from my agent for this show from the producers of the crown called three pines based on these novels by Louise Penny. And I was like, wow, this looks like a pretty solid project, you know, coming through. And um, and so I put a self-tape in and, you know, a few months later ended up getting the offer. But that's, that's sort of long story short. It was way more of a roller coaster than that, believe it or not. But,
0: yeah. I feel like with all the streaming services like Amazon Prime putting out all this original content, some really high-end original content, a lot of actors have said, you know, there, there's no point in doing episodic tv on a syndicated channel because you're committed to 26 episodes a lot of these streaming services they got this really tight storytelling of you know 13 episodes and done eight episodes and done do you as an actor find that to be i would i think preferable because then you can move on to another project you've got more time to do other stuff is that kind of the way you see it that's
2: you definitely have a good feel for that dynamic and the differences between those things like, you know, concerning network versus streaming. That's very well put. Uh, you know, I like the way it's done. I I just love the the freedom that streaming and these platforms like Amazon Prime and, um, and Netflix and, you know, all the other ones offer us. Uh, there's so much freedom in, in some of the ways you mentioned for sure. Uh, I mean, as far as network TV and the way it was like back in the day before streaming platforms were were really a thing, uh, you know, I would, I will say the money was, was pretty good with the network stuff. Um, you know, so that was cool. Uh, but just from a creative standpoint, I guess I do prefer it, um, this way. I think I do. I think you're right. You know I mean? And I have in my contract, I have a certain amount of leeway as far as other things I can do in between seasons, you know, praying we get renewed for a second, fingers crossed. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's good, man. At the end of the day, honestly, I just like working. So anything that I'm working on, as long as it's a cool project that, um, you know, doesn't have anything that I find particularly objectionable or, or something I just wouldn't want to involve myself with, um, which is few and far between when that happens. Um, um, I'm just stoked to be working, man. I'm just stoked to be a part of, of good work with amazing people like such as are involved with this show.
0: And you mentioned renewal. I know critically, this Three Pines has been a success. Loving, loving all the online stuff that I'm reading about it. Uh, the critics seem to really enjoy it. A lot of great performances. A lot of great writing. So I, I take it by what you've just said. You None of you have heard yet whether or not you've been renewed.
2: Yeah. Yes, you have deduced correctly, my friend. Uh, But thanks, James. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, the critical response has been awesome. And I would say as much, if not even more, just uh, the audience response in terms of people who have been tuning in, um, or I should say streaming, uh, has been amazing. I think we were number one on Amazon Prime for about three weeks in the U.S., Canada, the U.K., Australia, and Ireland. So five countries now we're... We're at a, we're in the, still in the top six, I believe. Um, but you know that happens after a show comes out. There's a lot of heat on it, right. and then you know we got bumped. We got bumped by Jack Ryan, which was to be expected because people have been waiting a hot minute for that show <laughs> to come out that that third season. So that was to be expected. A huge, huge American show with a you know good old Krasinski, and he's solid. So I mean, yeah, man. I mean, we're just super. I mean, we just feel really fortunate to to be in the position that we're in. Uh, I said to someone the other day, you know, we left it all out there on the floor. You know, when you watch a good a good football game or something, the NFL playoffs right now, you just see the way some teams really leave it all out there on the floor. And I feel like that's what we did with this thing. We just put our hearts and souls into it. And, you know, a lot that we can't control in this business. And so those decisions aren't left up to us. Our job is to, you know, deliver uh, an amazing product that people will really hopefully fall in love with. And then, uh, those business decisions are, are left up to other people. So, but we feel pretty good about, about things given the, uh, given the, the early success. And, um, and we're hoping very much and looking forward to, uh, to having an opportunity to, uh, to give people something to look forward to in, uh, whatever the, the second season would come out. Um, but luck, man. Yes, I hope it, it, we get renewed and, uh, you know, from, from my mouth, my my <laughs> my mouth to, God, to God's ears, you know, like. But yeah, I don't know what else to say, man. We're all hoping, but at the same time, you got to keep it pretty even keel, otherwise you'll, you'll go crazy, like you know, hoping for stuff that sure. you can't really control, you, you know. So yeah,
0: right, right, yeah. And if you're just now tuning in, we're talking with Julian Bailey all about. Three Pines Uh, Alfred Molina in this obviously uh, I I knew him as the person who betrayed Indiana Jones in Raiders of the Lost Ark but he's also Doc Ock I mean the guy has been in everything one of my favorite Bill Murray movies is uh, The Man Who Knew Too Little Alfred Molina is a bad guy in that he plays such great roles talk a little bit about getting to work with him if you would
2: absolutely you know what I love about Alfred Molina like from a career standpoint and from an acting standpoint is, you, you know, he's established himself or he had established himself at such a solid actor period, not necessarily a star or a leading man, but just a solid actor, dependable character actor, and has, you know, developed into a real star and uh, and just a tremendous leading man with, with clout and gravitas. And getting to work with him was... Uh, Uh, it has been like a dream, you know, really like a dream come true. Um, I was, uh, checking into the production office early on to do the first, uh, kind of pre read after I'd been cast with Anna Tierney, who plays Clara, my wife in the, or my character's wife in the, in the show and Sam Donovan, the series director, um, and some of the other cast members and I'm standing in there to do the, the whole COVID check-in we had to do at the beginning before entering the building. Um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of hoops we had to jump through there, oh, yeah, but, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, but I stand in there and, um, this tall distinguished gentleman, I believe in it, wearing a sweater and it had glasses who had glasses on and, um, he just sort of, he, he's trying to cross through and he, and he says, excuse me, sir. And I look up and I'm like, it's Alfred Molina. <laughs> I had no idea at that point who was being cast, who had been cast as Gamash. It was like, uh, yeah, it was like Chris this morning, man, opening your present, and real, you know, realizing <laughs> you got this beyond what you'd expected, wow. you might get like to to work with uh, this guy. Yeah, and so I stepped out of the way and I was, oh yeah, and I and I texted my buddy, my my uh, my buddy in LA, and I was like, yo, dude, guess who's playing? Guess who's playing Gamash in the show? I just got cast in and. And I gave him a couple hints and he guessed it right away. And I was like, yep. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. I mean, he's amazing, man. He just knows how to run a, like I was, I was going to say run a set, but I mean, he's an executive producer and a lead actor on this show. So he, he sets the tone, you know, he sets the bar really, really high. He knows how to act on a set, like literally. And, and, uh, you know, like as an actor and, and also just how to behave like as a leader, Um, he's got, he's got a real dignity about him. He's very down to earth and he's just a true professional, man. He doesn't have any airs about him. Um, he, he's always down to run a thing beforehand and, um, very, very kind man, very personable. And, you know, it comes through in his work. And I think that's, that's a testament to a a career that's, um, that he has, which has just been well-deserved because he's put so much time and work in to getting to where he is and, and just being the person that he is, I think. It's great to see good people succeed, and he's definitely, in my experience, one of the one of the best one of the best people, and certainly big stars that I've ever worked with.
0: And you've worked with a lot of great talent. You've worked with Yvonne Stravowski, You worked with Jesse Eisenberg, uh, Jesse Plemons, a lot of great people. When you're working on a set, obviously, for, uh, again, uh, it would seem like. Alfred Molina is one of those people like, oh my gosh, do you ever, was this a case where, you know, you're texting your friend, are you starstruck or you've done enough of these gigs now which you're like, ah, that's cool, but, you know, I'm going to keep it uh, keep it professional and <laughs> try not to fanboy too much. Yeah.
2: yeah, well, a bit of both, I guess. I mean, I think you're inevitably a little bit starstruck at first because, um, you know, you only know this person from, from the big screen um, and growing up and, you know, and, of course, as an actor, you know, I, I don't really like to use the word idolized because, you know, I I, I think that I, don't, I just don't really kind of see things that way in terms of idols or, or worshipping any, any other human being. But um, but in terms of really looking up to and, like, admiring someone, you know, Alfred Molina is definitely up there. So, yeah, I mean, th- there's an element of being a starstruck. I think there always is, man. But But you relatively quickly get over it, I think, once you you sort of focus yourself. You kind of adjust your the lens of your perspective and you go, we have a job to do. And our job is to deliver this material, you know, in a compelling, credible, exciting way. And, uh, and at that point we're really all peers, you know, we all kind of come back to a place. Where we're all on an equal, um, plane together, working, uh, towards one singular goal. And that's to create an amazing piece of, uh, entertainment and to bring this thing to life. So, um, so yeah. And I mean, you're right. You know, I've, I've worked with a lot of people and, and, you know, I was telling someone earlier today in an interview that, um, he was asking about this episode of NCIS that I did back in the day, way back in the day, like first season of NCIS turned out to be a hit show. And I think my episode was like the fourth episode or something. And uh, I'm in my trailer, and it was reasonably early in my career. And um, there's a knock on the, my trailer door, and it's Mark Harmon. I open the door. There's Mark Harmon. Uh. And he's like, hey, man. He's like, uh, I'm Mark. He's like, "He's like, uh, welcome to uh, the show. He's like, can we uh, can we talk about the, the, the scenes today? Do you want to come in my trailer? And I was like, yeah, dude, sure. <laughs> and I was like, wow. So I sat down with him, and he just – you know, we, we connected about the material, talked about the stuff, and then we just – you know, kind of shot the breeze for a while talking about, uh, his early days in his career. And, um, when he was my age and how they were always trying to get him to take his shirt off. And eventually he, he realized he had to make some intentional decisions about the kinds of scenes or work he was going to, you know, take or, or refuse. And, uh, and, uh, and, and he just said one thing that's always stuck with me. And he said, it's, it's really about the ethic. And of course he was referring to just the, the not only the work ethic, but just the ethic of, of kind of the things I was describing about Alfred Molina, just being diligent, um, being, um, an ethical person, I think to, uh, to a reasonable degree and, um, being cool to work with and delivering great work. And, uh, yeah, I feel very privileged to have had the opportunity to work with, with great people like, like those two guys and and many others. Um, so yeah, yeah, fortunate, man. I feel very blessed.
0: And in addition to NCIS, obviously, you did, you had a lot of work in TV, in the aughts, as we call it. Uh, Just Shoot Me, Jag, Charm, a lot of great shows. I would think as an actor, obviously, it's great to be first on the call sheet and have uh, you know your own show and everything. But I kind of like, it's almost like the Whitman box of samplers, because you get to try out this show. You get to dip your feet in this <laughs> bowl. You got to you know have, have a role in an X-Men film like you have. It's kind of yeah, nice as an actor yeah. to be like, I've had a, all these varied experiences without being and I don't want to say this the wrong way, weighed down by I'm leading the show and I'm in it for however long or whatever. So it's got to be, I would think, very nice as an actor to have that kind of variety. We're just taking a real quick pause. Want to make sure we thank once again our partners at Kokomo Toys in Kokomo, Indiana for the prize pack. We were able to give that away on the show a couple weeks ago. Uh, If you haven't had a chance to check out Kokomo Toys and you're in that area, like literally, if you're anywhere near the state of Indiana, go check out Kokomo Toys. It was very generous of them to send that along, and I'm sure our we have a very happy listener out there in Oregon who I sent that prize package to. Uh, so thanks again to our partners at Kokomo Toys. We'll get back to our interview here with Julian Bailey.
2: Yeah, yeah, totally, man. And you said it well. I think that's true. You know, the the burden. Let's say uh, as a young actor, let's say who hasn't necessarily fully cut his teeth yet, being pushed into the limelight with the the burden, if you will, of carrying a show or a film, like you described can be tough. And I think some people have done it really well. And I think some people haven't necessarily been able, been able to uh, sustain that, you know, when you're young and you have these big dreams and you think to yourself like, Oh yeah, by this age, I'm going to have done this. I'll have done that. And, and I'll have worked with this person and I'll have worked with this director. And, um, and, and then, you know, the, the evolution or the unfolding of your career, uh, it becomes what it becomes. And, and you start to realize, well, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm 30 now and wow, I'm I'm 35 now. And you, you, you know, you keep getting older, and you're kind of tracking your success. And then you got friends who are having tremendous success and other friends who are kind of falling off. It's tricky sometimes not to compare yourself, you know, like oh, yeah. with your, your, your friends that you came up with, you know, and, and there, there've been a handful of them. I, I, I was telling my, my a buddy of mine the other day that, you know, three people I was reasonably close with were nominated for Academy Awards in the last six years. You know, a couple of them last year, one of them being Jesse, by the way, Jesse Clemens, who you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And, and I, it's funny, you know, but I'm so happy for these people. Um, and, and at the same time, just have had to appreciate which you, which you hit the nail on the head with, uh, the advantage of being, you know, being able to, to to work and be a working actor, but not necessarily have the burden of all eyes are on you. But you can you can sort of gradually learn and and cultivate your craft and your method and the you know like I said the evolution of your career uh, without the the burden of overbearing fame or um, you know people people you know chasing you down the street as as has happened to a uh, couple a couple friends of mine from the past. And so, yeah, I, you know, I'm just grateful, man, to, to be working, you know, at the end of the day and come what may, if if things kind of blow up or if they sort of stay at whatever level they stay at, you know, you just learn to be grateful for what you have. And, and the intention for me as an artist is always to just do good work and hopefully, you know, affect some people positively along the way and be a positive uh, influence in the world, I mean, that's really, I think, what it boils down to. There's, there's more to life than entertainment and Hollywood stuff. But it is important, you know. We're artists, we're poets and writers and actors and musicians, and, and we have a, we have a role to play in society. And I think it's important that that we uh, stay true to ourselves and stay true to the craft.
0: I know you got your start. Mm in voiceover, if I'm not mistaken, which is usually you see people who are on-camera actors transition to voiceover. You almost went through it the other way with your, I think, if I'm not mistaken, unless IMDb got it grossly wrong, you got your start in the English version of Hey Bumbo. You went on to do uh, the Jungle Book TV series, (laughs) uh, voicing Mowgli, and then obviously some Madeline TV movies. And then you started doing on-camera acting. That's kind of an interesting way to go about it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'll try to break it down for you, man. Basically how it how it happened, how it all kind of got off, um, off the ground to begin with. Um, it's funny, it's funny that you, uh, to hear you quote, Hey Bumbo. So, um, Hey Bumbo actually was a Japanese anime, uh, cartoon that was, as far as I know, was particularly popular in France in terms of like, okay, so it was Japanese, but in France, of course, they dubbed it in French, and then for the American you know, English version. I played the the lead kid. My voice was the lead kid. Um, that actually, and that, and by the way, the title was Bumpity Boo in English. It was called Bumpity Boo. So I don't know why on IMDb they have it listed as Hey Bumbo. You kind of reminded me of that. Hmm. Um, they do. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I'll say this about that. So we that happened because I had joined this children's theater group in Montreal where I was born and raised, and they, uh, those the directors of that school it was kind of like a once or twice a week little after school thing. Um, they referred me to this dubbing studio in town that was casting for another anime uh, show called Bully Bully, <laughs> which was, which was a which was a Japanese – another Japanese anime thing. I guess anime by virtue of being anime is always Japanese to to begin with. Um, But uh, at least that's my understanding of it. But um, that was a cartoon about these little snowman kids. And it was like a big cast. And so I was cast as one of these little snowman kids. It was my my first thing ever. And I guess once they saw me and what I could do with this little snowman character or variety of snowman characters that I was playing – they had me audition for Bumpity Boo or Hey Bumbo. And uh, and I got that part. And then after I got that part, then I was asked to audition for you know progressively like bigger things. So the Madeline thing was pretty big because um, it was HBO and Christopher Plummer um, narrated it. And it was all original material. And it was based off of these really famous, awesome books. So we did that. And then about five years after, I was already in the States at this point. I moved to LA when I was 18. I get a call from Sony, I guess, and uh, I think it was Sony, and they, they were like, hey, we're doing an album. I didn't have an agent. So they kind of were like, look, agree to this buyout deal or you won't be on the album, which <laughs> was, may or may not have been true. And I hear I'm all of 18 years old in my little apartment in Pasadena going, uh, and, you know, they gave me, like, I don't know, 1500 bucks or something. <laughs> So then, you know, after school, I was living in Chicago, doing theater in Chicago. And I'm like, I go to the Borders bookstore, the Barnes Noble, and Madeline everywhere. Madeline absolutely blew up in the late 90s. It was just yeah. everywhere. And, of course, the album that I was on, that my singing parts were on, because I was Pepita. I was the little terrorizing son of the <laughs> Spanish ambassador that was Madeline's friend. Um, that was just, like, everywhere, man. an album. Sony Wonder put it out. And I didn't see a penny, not a penny, uh, as far as I know. I don't want to. I don't want to misspeak, but I'm pretty sure I didn't see a penny of of any of those royalties or residuals. And, um, but you know that's okay, man. You know the work out there was a great experience. It was really cool to be a part of. And uh, and if, funnily enough, to this day, people still, despite anything else I've ever done, they. Some people still, when they find out I was Pepito, they just call me Pepito.
0: So it's like, hey, Pepito. I'm like,
2: hey, how you doing, the line?
0: Yeah, it could be worse, worse um, things to be known for, right? Yeah, for
1: sure. <laughs> right? Yeah, for sure. For sure.
0: <laughs> and again, with three pines, hopefully will be renewed for a second season uh talking about the books this obviously based on uh, written material as well when you're doing this obviously a lot of times series don't directly follow the books we've seen this even in, as far as like big budget james bond films don't follow the ian fleming right. books exactly was this something where they told you hey make sure you read this or do they say no don't worry about that just pay attention to the outline for the story that we're giving you here at the, as the producers on amazon prime what was the prep like for this
2: Yeah, good question. Um, Look, this is the thing. For me, uh, I was cast rather late in the process, so I wouldn't have had very much time to get into the books before jumping into filming. Um, A little bit of time, not a lot. And it was recommended to me to read in particular The Murder Stone, which was also released under a different title, which escapes me at the moment. Um, and, and that was because episodes five and six were heavily centered, um, around my character and my character's family. Um, so that, as far as them recommending that I read anything, that was, that was about it. Um, but I still picked up still life and was kind of, you know, the first in the series and was sort of leafing through that, um, trying to familiarize myself with the origin of, you know, this, this adaptation. Um, I, I was going to say like at some point, once we were rolling already and certain things had been established between myself and the producers and, and, uh, the director in particular, Sam, series director, Sam Donovan. Um, and I, and then was, I was reading the books and realizing some of those things weren't necessarily altogether congruent. Like, let's just say certain physical aspects. Okay. Like, uh, they, for example, wanted me initially to keep, my beard and long hair. So I had a pandemic beard at that time. And so when I was in the mix, they were like, yo, keep, keep the beard. They, you know, my agent was like, keep, keep your beard. They like your beard. They like the look and don't cut your hair. So, um, so I, di- I didn't cut my hair, you know, even though I was doing another movie, I kind of worked that out where I, I was just a guy with longer hair. Um, anyway, so let me try to get the strain back on the tracks. Where was I going with this? <laughs> okay. So, uh, so Sam Sam and I talked, you know, and he said, Yeah, take the beard off. Uh keep and I said, Can I can I have a five o'clock shadow at least? Because I didn't want to be like complete baby because then my wife would be like, You look
1: like you're twelve
2: <laughs> and um So I so I you know, he's like, Yeah, cool. But keep the hair long. So um they wanted the hair long. Okay. So then I'm reading Still Life and I read this one section where it goes, Peter Morrow, um Looks less like an artist and more like a lumberjack, which I was like, Okay, I guess I'm I'm kind of a bit you know, semi big guy. I'm almost six foot two and you know, I'm I'm you know, I'm guess I'm probably more lumberjacky than artist artisty. But then it says, um, he always wears glasses and he's always clean shaven. And I was like, Oh no, I'm not wearing glasses and I'm not clean shaven. I'm like,
0: I, I campaigned for a five o'clock shadow. I got a five o'clock shadow.
2: And so for a couple of days, I was kind of tripping over that. And I talked to a few people about it, including Anna who played uh, Clara. And she was like, look, do you really want to be wearing glasses? Like this whole shoot, potentially multiple seasons, um, you know, like, and be committed to those, uh, you have a lot of emotional stuff. I don't know. Maybe the glasses will get in the way. Maybe it's better. And, and she was right. You know? It wasn't really the right thing for me. And what I was going to say about all this is just to say that uh, this was an adaptation. And there were clearly some you know, creative and poetic license that was taken um, with the stories and with the characters. And one of them is the fact that they cast us, who were approximately 10 to 15 years younger than Peter and Clara are in the books. Um and so I realized I was like you know what what really matters is the the internal uh mechanism of these characters you know what drives them what makes them tick who they are and if we can stay true to that and the vision that Louise had for who these people were you know in their souls uh then I think we're doing a good job because you're never going to please everybody and people are are going to be like, Oh, this is, this isn't how I imagined it. And that's not, Oh, this isn't right. Oh, Oh,
0: Peter's hair. It's all
2: wrong. It's too long. I don't know. You know, and it's just, you can't, you, you, you can't try to appease everybody, man. Somebody's always going to have an issue. So we had to kind of like, you know, uh, cut the tether and, and just get out of the Harbor of people's expectations and launch out into the deep and say, this is, this is what we're doing with these incredible stories from Louise Penny. And, um, take it or leave it, but thankfully it appears that those people are taking it and enjoying it for what they are, so we're, we're definitely appreciative for that.
0: If it makes you feel any better, Andrew Lincoln looks nothing like Rick Grimes in the comic book series The Walking Dead, so you've, you've, you're in good company. <laughs> there you
2: go man there you go that's good to hear that's good to hear yeah and i can think of a handful of other you know adaptations where where that was the case it's television man it's right. different. you know it's an adaptation you got you got to use your imagination and uh but you know people get so attached to these characters man that they've developed in their minds they're like oh this is how he's supposed to be He's described like this and to me that looks like this and other people go oh he's perfect and she's perfect and this is exactly how i imagined it so so yeah, that's the nature of the beast, man, adaptations.
0: And then there's people who have never read the books on which any of these things are based and they don't care. So it's as long as, like you said, you're they delivering the good care. quality acting, that's what really matters. And you guys are, like I said, that, Three Pines right. is knocking right. it out of the park. I They'd be foolish not to renew you guys for a second season.
2: I agree. I agree with you, man. No, thank you so much. Um, yeah, man, we really enjoyed it, dude. Like, we, we really enjoyed it. And I think anytime you get to work with good people um, who understand what they're doing and they, they know what they're doing, but they're not kind of high and, and lofty about it, but they're just grounded and, and really care about the stories. I mean, we really cared about honoring Louise Penny's um, stories and, and books. And, and she said that she's 80% really pleased with the <laughs> outcome, which is, which is, which is her, you know, sure, that's what yeah. she was, she's very honest. She's, she's very honest, which I appreciate. And I told her in person at the premiere. I said, "I said, you know, I was thinking about you a lot when we were shooting, and just wondering what you must be going through because here you've handed us your baby, and and we we did our best to, uh, you know, to not drop your baby on its head, you know, and uh, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, we we delivered on that." (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, that's great, and I I wish we I I wish we had more time because I haven't gotten to talk to you about your discovery at the comedy store and comedy. We need to talk about video games. So let's if we can let's have you back on again at some point.
2: I'd love to, man. You know, hit me up, man. And uh, I don't know if you have my Instagram. It's I am Julian Bailey. Um, you can always uh, direct message me on there too, man. I am Julian Bailey. Uh, these days it's mostly Instagram. I do have a Twitter, which is the same handle, I am Julian Bailey. I had other Twitters, and I'm trying to like get them to kind of funnel in and merge into that one. But, um, but yeah, that, that's the, that's the handle. I am Julian Bailey. I don't know. It may change at some point, but that's it for now. If it ever changes, I'm sure if you follow me, you'll, you'll get the notification, but that's it. Instagram for now, Twitter too. If you want to, if you want to help me break that double digits, uh, get in, get my 11th follower on Twitter, <laughs> that'd be awesome.
0: Perfect. If you're you're listening online after the fact, if you're hearing this in the podcast form, scroll down to the bottom of the page. We'll have a link to Julian's Instagram down there so you can help him. We'll get to triple digits on Twitter. We'll see how that goes. Uh, Julian Bailey, this has been great. Thank you very much for your time today. I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me, James. Want to make sure very quick, we tell you, Max, the movies is coming up next. He has his review of Women Talking, so you can check that out. Also want to push the YouTube again, YouTube.com. Find geek to me Radio there. We're trying to get to 1K by my birthday. So by April, I want to have 1,000 subscribers. If you could uh, help me out there, head on over to YouTube and subscribe to geek to me Radio. That would make me a very, very happy person. Uh, that's going to do it. Thanks, as always, to Joey V. He's in studio. I'm going to mess up the camera now. He positioned it so closely. There he is in studio helping me make this show sound and look as good as it does. Thanks to him. Thanks, of course, to our sponsors, the Greater St. Charles Convention and Visitors Bureau, Bugs Comics and Games, and our partners at Kokomo Toys in Kokomo, Indiana. Uh, That's going to do it for us. Until next week, my friends.
2: Kids, are your parents about to buy you a shiny new toy from Amazon?
0: Hi, I'm
1: Chucky. Wanna play?
2: Well, don't be selfish. Share some of that money with us.
1: Bit dot slash geek to me bit dot
2: slash geek to me